on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Up podcast. I'm Karen. Hi, I'm Dave. And uh, before we get into an update on the recent competition in Bonn, Dave, uh, how's things going with Patreon? Yeah, we've had a couple of a uh, couple of couple of new supporters, which is great. Um, huge thanks to Colm Flynn, who's a uh, uh, Irish uh, Irish fencing development manager. I met him out at the Dublin Satellite. Uh, great guy. So thanks for thanks for supporting us. And then also a, a hero of uh, British fencing, uh, Johnny Davis. So I think you'd know Bash. Yeah, Johnny's uh, recently moved into an Olympic team manager role, which is uh, is great for Great Britain. And uh, thank you to him for uh, supporting us as we uh, continue our journey through Olympic qualification. And uh, the weekend saw a uh, men's foil competition, the first of the new season, uh, but the resumption of Olympic qualification over in Bonn. And before we went into that, Dave, United States, France, Hong Kong and Italy were in the four automatic qualifying positions with Egypt picking up the African zonal spot, Korea the Asian spot, Russia in the top spot for the European teams and Canada in the top spot for the Pan Am teams. So uh, let's have a a little look at what happened. It was USA, as always, uh, winning the day as it seems to be now. Yeah, perfect, perfect start, um, and now mathematically qualified. So so far ahead of of, uh, of any Pan Am rival that that they're going to the Olympics, and uh, it's um. I mean, it, actually, to be honest, it doesn't surprise me. This is a team that wins you know more World Cups uh, a year than anybody else, and now they've got that bugbear of uh, winning the World Championships off their uh, uh, off their back. Then it seems like they can do anything. Well, it's, it certainly does seem like they can do anything. They brought Nick Itkin into the team, replacing Miles Chamley-Watson, uh, and I believe that's certainly going to be the case for, well, obviously it was the case for Bonn, and I believe it's going to be the case for the Tokyo World Cup coming up in a few weeks' time. Uh, it was also the test event. And the interesting thing for me, Dave, was that Nick was in every single team match, and Garrick Meinhardt uh, warmed the bench yeah i mean obviously garrick had a fantastic result that we'll talk about later um but i think um i mean nick fenced well i think there's always this question about um you know how juniors can can translate to senior fencing Uh, i think they used him well so that that third uh, position on the team uh you know you can get those matches close together and you know so long as you maintain a good streak and uh you don't you don't blow up too badly um and at times it looked like he was generating a lot of the hits for the team yeah, plus eight in the gold medal match. He was uh, the, the most valuable fencer on the team uh, in that gold medal match, in fact. Um, and it was good to see that he was being used and he was he looked uh, perfectly uh, in place uh, amongst a heralded company. There was also an interesting uh, change of team for Russia as well. They brought in uh, Kirill Borodyshev, the, the youngster, uh, and he, he performed really well as well. Oh, it's unbelievable. So I mean, he's Baradash is a, a junior. He's nineteen, um, and you know was was out out fencing Jerebchenko, was out fencing Safin. Uh, I mean, different style as well. You know, very withdrawn blade. You know, didn't really look you know like a Russian fencer, but unbelievable. Like really, really stepped up. And I mean, I only saw him two weeks ago at a Junior World Cup for goodness sake. Uh, and and. You know what's interesting is he might not even be the best fencer in his family. You know, Anton. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know they've got uh, they've got plenty of young young good kids coming through. It's just astonishing. Yeah, the other Baroda chef Milnikov, of course, and the uh, the the giant Trotian, who probably looks more at home on a basketball court rather than a fencing <laughs> yeah. piece. Uh, they, they've got a, a wealth of riches, that's for sure. Uh, but Russia. Uh, 
bombed out in the semi-finals, uh, but uh, they've they've fenced pretty well and they've closed the gap on Italy. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it was finally time to see Russia come through and and uh, and get on the podium or get into that top four. I'd say by their standards, they've had a probably pretty disappointing start to qualification. But you know, you know it's strong. It's well, it's well coached by Ilka Mamadov. You know, this is this is a team that you know, obviously defending Olympic champions. They've got a lot to prove. They know what they're doing. Uh, I think now finally we're starting to see Russia show that they can put some pressure on not just the European places, but you know, but that top four, which really is where they should be. Well, let's just go, go back and have a look at that top four. How, how things changed since that result with USA winning over Korea. Uh, with uh, Russia taking the bronze medal match over Italy. Uh, has that affected the top four at all? Yeah, so we've had a swap, and I'd say it probably takes a it's a bit more normalcy returning to the rankings. So uh, Korea's silver medal, fantastic result for them, um, makes them leapfrog Hong Kong. Um, still Hong Kong are fifth and, and only two points behind them. But it kind of feels like that's where it should be. Uh, you know, Hong Kong, Asian champions, uh there's no no reason why they should be lower, but you know if you're looking at the you know the, the way the fencing world should be in commas, that's that feels about right. Um, and then yeah, Italy, um, uh, Italy, you know fourth place, um, just enough to stay in the top four. Uh, but you know they were, uh, they're going to be looking over their shoulder at those uh, at those Russians coming at them pretty hard, I'd say. Yeah, and France, uh, they were uh, uncharacteristically uh, weak in Bond, dropping out in the eight. So the good start they had to Olympic qualification uh, may well make a, a difference at the end of the day. Yeah, they got absolutely thumped by Korea, like 45-27 or something. I mean, it was I, was I was obviously flicking through the different, um, uh, you know, hitting the briefcase and looking at the different pieces, uh, obviously not skipping away too far from your commentary, Bash. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that match was it was over before I could, uh, before I could even blink. Um, so I mean, not not the best day for them. I don't know. It's 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 maybe a reason why the USA kept uh, kept Garrick on the bench. You know, Martin had a fantastic day on Saturday. Hard to double up, um, but they've got quality. They'll be there. I mean, I'm not worried about France. But if we look at the, that European uh, battle that's going on, it's kind of a European and and uh, Asian story really with men's foil. Germany making the uh, top eight, uh, looking perhaps like they could threaten. Yeah, they're a long way off, though. I mean, and you're sort of running out of time a little bit. Uh, you know, down 21 points behind Russia. And this is a Russian team that's going to do well. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what if, you know, Hong Kong outperform. Uh, so what if there's what if there's two Asian teams? What if there's only France as the European team? Then one of Italy or Russia misses out? I mean, that's insane, right, in men's foil. Uh, yeah. I just... I, I feel like you know, GBI didn't have a great weekend, although you know did as good as they could from losing in the in the in the sixteen to finishing ninth. But it's just getting a bit harder for both Germany and GBR. So uh, flicking over to Asia then, uh, because I mean the situation hasn't really changed with the the African zone spot going to Egypt, and uh, well, we pretty much say they're they're nailed yeah. on, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're number one, they're a good team, um, so they keep winning, and you know. I mean, any time I see them in the eight, I'm not surprised. On a good day, with the right draw, they might win a medal. They're the best team in Africa by by miles. Uh, and so, with the with the Canadians in the top Pan Am spot, do you see uh, them staying inside the sixteen? They had a bit of a oh, disaster. In God, there. I mean, it couldn't have gone worse. Um, they 
you know, lost to Belgium in the 32, which I didn't expect. I wasn't even watching at that point. Um, Brazil got up over uh, Taiwan, which, you know, you'd expect. And then had a, Brazil had a fantastic day, beat Belgium, you know, which Canadians couldn't do. And then uh, Egypt had a medical withdrawal, so finishing 13th and picked up a whole bunch of points. So I think I think they'll both both of them should stay in the 16. You know, if you look at their FIE rankings, you know, rather than the rolling rankings, Canada being 13, Brazil being 16, shows they're good enough to stay up there all season. Um, I think it's just that, you know, probably last time we were talking about Canada looking pretty secure. Not sure that's the case anymore. You know, looking over your shoulder, these guys are only 15 points behind. It's, it's, that's, that's one result where I lose in the 16, sorry, I lose in the 32, and they have another good uh, result, and then suddenly they're up in my face and, you know, then it gets really, mm. really worrying. So, yeah, shocking day for Canada. Yeah, subplot there. So we keep it on on Canada and Brazil, uh, a tussle for the additional Pan Am spot. But yeah, the, we we talked about Europe, uh, but the Asian uh, fight is not over yet either. China and Japan, and in striking distance. Yeah, I mean it get, it'll get really interesting if, as you say, if Hong Kong outperform Italy, uh, and so then you open up another space, and that would be at the expense of Russia. Then you'd get a China or a Japan. Um, that's all very open, and you know they're not that far back. You know, it's, it's sort of twenty points in it. That's the difference between a bad day and a medal. Uh, both China and Japan definitely are good enough, and um, to you know, to feature on the podium to get those results. So yeah, plenty plenty to look forward to there. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. Is. So the situation after Bonn with regards to the teams is that USA, France, now South Korea and Italy occupy the top four automatic qualifying spots. Hong Kong have dropped out of the four, but they are still the top Asian team. Russia are still the top European team and Egypt and Canada pick up their respective zonal spots as well. So uh, we go backwards in time <laughs> and have a look at uh, the individual event. Uh, as we went into the the competition. Marcus Mepson of Great Britain and Michael Seiss of Poland uh, had the two uh, European spots. The Asian spots were with Takahiro Shikine and Chen Hai Wei, the Japanese and the Chinese athlete there, top of the pile for the Asians. Uh, Guillaume Toldo has the Pan Am spot or had the Pan Am spot and Mohamed Samandi had the African spot. So let's start right back at the very beginning in the 64 um, some big names going out, uh, and, and then Marcus Mepps had eased through against the 15-year-old uh, Kazuki Iimura of Japan, uh, but then he went out in the next round. So uh, the results uh, were Martin Meinhardt and then the two Italians, Faconi and Cassara, on the podium. How has Bond affected the individual? Yeah, so states? I mean, obviously those top four are in teams currently qualified. Um, Maltin's had a pretty tough start to the season, so um, getting some points is is, is welcome in case um, you know in case it all goes wrong for the French team. Obviously, he won the Anaheim Grand Prix last year, so he's you know pretty good at winning gold when he gets up there, but hasn't really done it so far. Um, so where where it really got interesting was in the uh, in the last eight. So um, we had uh, we'll say let's look in Europe, and so we had Carlos Lavador uh, from Spain make the eight. Um, and uh, so he's not in the current qualifying zone, but but putting some pressure on. Who did do particularly well was Benny Clybring, uh, 2008 uh, mm. Olympic champion, back again. You know, he's a, I think he's retired twice, but uh, you know, having having another go and doing doing a pretty good job. 
Um, and yeah, last eight result there has allowed him to overtake Michael Zeiss uh, from um, uh, from Poland uh, and move into that second European spot behind uh, Marcus Metstead. I mean, Marcus, you know, be a bit disappointed probably with the last 32, uh, but, you know, the gap is still 16 points from Kai Brink, 22 points from Lavador, it's still substantial, but I think Marcus will want one good result to, to really lock in that, that European place. Do you think there's a sort of target points tally that uh, Marcus Mepster is going to be? I'm not sure at? you can think about it like that, can you? Because like, it's all it's all so relative. And I mean, you know, being outside the top sixteen in the world, he's probably like I need to win five pool matches and and two DEs just to get through to day two. You know, it's um, I think it's probably just a consistency thing, and the points will come. But but realistically, it's got to be over a hundred points, which probably means he needs a couple of sixteens. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And you're right about Benny Clybrink as well. A brilliant day for him. Uh, the guy retired in 2008 or after the Olympics in, in 2012, uh, I should say. Um, he he was brought back into the German team to bolster the team, but he is flying high uh, amongst the you know a team that includes Peter yeah. Jopic, of course. So Benny Clybrink will be going into the remaining competitions with some confidence. I mean, yes, it's only a six-point gap to Carlos Lavador, but Clybrink looks to be the man on yeah, form I mean, at the moment. Yeah, Benny, Benny Clybrink's never been short of confidence. He's a you know, phenomenal fencer, you know, fights so hard, um, and then combine that with you know, literally years of experience. That's a, that'll be a tough competitor, um, and he's there, he's there to, to get another Olympic Games under his belt. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think he'd be, he'd be favourites, that's for sure. Well, let's go to Pan Am then. Uh, Guillaume Toldo only picked up a single point in Bonn, um, but he doesn't really have to worry too much. No, there's not really any competitors. I mean, given that the US is now qualified and will qualify in the top four, I think we can say that. So there will be a Pan Am team going. That's either going to be his Brazilian team or uh, or himself on his own. I think mean, yeah, presumably he wants to be at the Olympics with his mates on his foil team uh, and have a chance for you know, foil medals and, and tin the team event. But uh, yeah, there's no one, no one really chasing, and they're, they're running out of time. There's not many uh, individual events left. Yeah, so Toldo sticks in that Pan Am spot. Clybrink uh, and Mepster to have the European spots. Uh, no real change for the Asian spots either. Uh, Shikine and Chen still occupying the two Asian spots. Uh, now, are they going to be looking over their shoulders? And, and and then there's this question: Can Japan sneak into? Uh, a team qualification spot. Yeah, I mean that's the real variable, isn't it? So how how we get these teams mapped out, um, and so we're really going to be looking at that third and fourth automatic team place that defines you know how many uh, how many teams from each zone get to go to the Olympics. I mean, Shikine's a long way ahead. Um, uh, Matsuyama, who's young fencer, only twenty two. I didn't realize he was so young. Um, had a great day finishing in the eight, but but a long way back. Um, same with Saito. He's you know. 25-ish points behind. It's, it's too hard. I mean, I'm, I'm sure these guys will be in the Olympics anyway. It'll be, it would be the first name on the team sheet for, you know, using the Japanese zonal plays. But um, you know, they want to qualify on, on their own merits, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Chen Haiwei uh, in the second spot, uh, you know, clearly didn't have, um, you know, didn't have the best day. He made the 64, but, but no one else really did anything. So, no. so if you're outside of Korea, Hong Kong, Japan... Um, I was looking for something from Shelter Douglas. Didn't quite happen. Um, 
so that's kind of that's the nice sort of default position. What will get really interesting is if you get another um, Asian team qualified because then we'll go searching for the next mm, Asian yeah. fencer, uh, which brings possibly some Aussies into play, maybe Vietnamese fencers into play. Um, unlikely, but but something to bear in mind. Well, just a few weeks now before uh, the men's foreigners are back at it again in Tokyo, uh, which will uh, act as the test event for the Olympic Games, our first chance to uh, have a look at the venue there, given uh, that I hear there will be a live stream from Tokyo uh, this year and potentially some English-speaking commentary from Graham Bell, no less. Uh, So we look forward to that. But uh, next up on the calendar, we switch across to Sabre, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Men's uh, men's Sabre in Cairo next weekend, which will be a lot of fun. Yeah, looking forward to that. So uh, we'll bring you another update after that event. Uh, But Dave, if people want to keep up to date with your fabulous spreadsheets, where do they find them on Facebook? (laughs) Yeah, so all the spreadsheets all the time, facebook.com forward slash fencing Tokyo. Um, and you can pick up the uh, the podcast at uh, buzzsprout dot com uh, and the same thing, fencing Tokyo. Well, brilliant stuff there. Then, thank you, Dave, and thank you to all of you. We'll be back next week for a post Cairo update. Mm-hmm.